Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Captain's Log, the show devoted to discussions and insights into pop culture with an emphasis on cinema in the occasional themed episodes. This is your captain speaking, Jose Valle, and it's time for us to begin our transmission. Pricking of my thumb, something evil this way comes. William Shakespeare Myths and legends. They have been told and spread since the beginning of humanity. Sometimes they were told to persuade people to behave, and other times they were cautionary tales, warnings of the dangers that lurk in the shadows of our world. Perhaps there is more to legends than we realize. Perhaps the ones I will share are based in true events, or perhaps they're all just fabrications from creative minds. I'll let you decide. Ladies and gentlemen, it is October, or as it is more commonly called by the cool youth of today, Spooktober. So that means that this is the one time of the year where people seem to be more interested in the paranormal than they regularly are. This whole month I will be doing themed episodes on the supernatural, From the best horror movies to what tonight's episode is focused on, the most intriguing myths and legends. So let's take a look at these urban legends and myths that I assembled through my reading and dive into what makes them so interesting. I think it's worth mentioning that I am a fan of the occult, everything from ghosts to cryptids to even aliens, and I have been from a young age. I do want to clarify, though, that I'm not a blind believer. I don't believe everything in this field, The really fishy stuff I approach with skepticism. I am a firm believer, however, that we shouldn't dismiss paranormal claims so easily, because we don't know nearly enough about the world we live in as we like to think that we do. And with that, let's transition into the first legend on tonight's list and the one that genuinely creeps me out, Black-Eyed Children. The legend of the Black-Eyed Kids goes like this. You receive a knock at your door late at night, and are greeted by two children, usually with differing ages, older and younger, and they ask to be let in. You feel terrified, but can't comprehend why, and you also feel as if something is off, and then that is when you notice their eyes. Their eyes are completely black. It is said that if you let them in, it can have disastrous consequences, from sickness to even death falling upon you. Although it is reported that cases date back to the 1940s, the first major incident that brought the BEK, which is short for Black Eyed Kids, and I'll be referring to them as BEK for the rest of the episode because that's less of a mouthful, uh, into the spotlight was the story of Brian Bethel, a reporter out of Abilene, Texas, who one night, when riding a checkout in his car outside of a movie theater, encountered two BEKs. The encounter went a little like this. It was 1998, and he was writing a check to his internet provider, using the marquee of the theater to illuminate his car. Two boys approached and knocked on his car window. They looked about 9 and 12 years old. They wore hoodies. He cracked the window enough to hear them, and they told him they wanted a ride home to grab money so that they could watch Mortal Kombat. He said as he spoke to them, he felt gripped by fear, and it only got worse and worse the longer he spoke to them. He 
He noticed that the movie had already started, and driving anywhere and back would mean the kids would miss most of the movie. This comes directly from his report of the story. All the while, the spokesman uttered assurances. It wouldn't take long. They were just two little kids. They didn't have a gun or anything. The last part was a bit unnerving. In the short time that I had broken the gaze of the spokesman, something had changed, and my mind exploded in a vortex of all-consuming terror. Both boys stared at me with cold, black eyes. Soulless orbs like two great swaths of starless night. I full-on freaked out inside while trying to appear completely sane and calm on the outside. I made whatever excuses came to mind, all of them designed to get me out of there. I wrapped my hand around the gear shift, threw the car into reverse, and began to roll up my window, apologizing all the while. My fear must have been evident. The boy in the back wore a look of confusion. The spokesman banged on sharply on the window as I rolled it up, his words full of anger echo in my mind even today. We can't come in unless you tell us it's okay. Let us in! I drove out of the parking lot in blind fear, and I'm surprised I didn't sideswipe a car or two along the way. I stole a quick look in my rearview mirror before speeding off into the night, and the boys were gone. Even if they had run, I don't believe there was a, a place that they could have gotten to, to to hide from view that quickly. Bethel, 2013 There have been numerous encounters and accounts that have sprung forward since Bethel encounters some less credible than others. Regardless of whether or not this legend is true, there is no denying that it is unsettling. The idea of a knock or an encounter late at night with two unknown children asking, no, demanding, to come in or for you to help them is frightening. Children can already be creepy without their black eyes. That's why we see them used in horror movies a lot because the idea of something so innocent being corrupted and used for evil purposes is terrifying. There are numerous theories on what they might be. The two most popular are demons or aliens. So if you've seen the show Supernatural, you know that they showcase the uh, hierarchy of demons with um, higher uh, um, higher ranking demons such as um, Lilith, the white-eyed demon, having white eyes or yellow eyes. And the lower grunts uh, usually have black eyes. So there's a theory that states that black-eyed kids are simply demons who are stepping out of line. You know, there's sort of a rule to how creatures behave. You know, they have to be... That's why we get the whole vampires have to be let in uh, thing is because there's sort of a rule that all these creatures follow. And if you want to know more about this, I recommend checking out... um, Astonishing Legends episode of on the Black Eyed Children. They go into the whole idea of this sort of rule that that dominates uh, supernatural entities and beings. But anyway, uh, the the reason that people believe that they could be demons is because of the black eyes and the fact that they're, you know, sort of demanding to be let in, uh, and also because a lot of times um, some have reported seeing white eyed kids uh, after encountering a black eyed kid. For instance, there was a story of a man who. Uh, who encountered black-eyed kids, closed the door, was freaking out, then he hears a knock again, and, you know, for whatever reason, he opens the door again, only this time to find a child with wide eyes, who asks him where they went, the the two black-eyed kids, and he tells them, uh, I think they went that way down the road, and she's like, don't worry, you go back in your house, they won't bug you again, I'll take care of this, and she leaves. There was another uh, story similar to that, where there was this girl walking uh, uh, late at night in the street to, like, a club or something, 
and uh, she notices a guy across the street staring at her. And then she notices that his eyes are black, so she starts to freak out. And then she feels a hand on her shoulder. And as she's about to scream, she turns around and it's this guy with straight wide eyes. And he tells her, don't worry, he won't bug you. You have nothing to fear. And then he begins walking towards the, the black-eyed man. And the black-eyed man sort of snarls and starts to turn the other way. But then there's a theory that I believe is more plausible. And that's a theory that uh, they're aliens. Or, or uh, extra-dimensional beings, so not extraterrestrials, but extra-dimensional, meaning they come from another dimension. And the reason for that is uh, because of the black eyes, for one. Um, but there's also the idea that they're being sent to collect information on us, uh, but whoever is sending them doesn't have it quite right, which is why their eyes are black, which is why sometimes when they speak, they speak in a different tongue, in the tongue that shouldn't be spoken in the area or their pattern, their speech patterns, their tone, their fluctuations are all off for kids their age, or they speak, they're very well-spoken for kids their age, or a lot of the time it's reported that their clothes look outdated. I mean, in Bethel's case, they wore hoodies, which, you know, any kid could wear a hoodie, but there's been other cases where they were wearing 1940s clothes in, you know, the early 2000s, or they're wearing 90s clothes in 2018. So that kind of, that whole thing, it's like something is sending them to... Uh, spy on us to gather, uh, you know, information or to maybe that's why people are sick is because they're emitting radiation. Um, I just know that the whole idea of black-eyed children is terrifying because of that simple thing where it's something innocent is being corrupted for the use of evil or some evil thing is taking the look of something innocent. And I remember when I first heard about this, they said that the more you learn about them, the more likely you are to encounter them. I remember when I first heard about this, I, uh, I used to knock doors for Sprint. And so I was working with Sprint at the time, and I read about this story. And as I would go out, I would make sure to finish before nighttime because I always panicked that I would encounter a black-eyed kid choosing their next victim. So I'd encounter them in, at the door, and and uh, that genuinely terrified me. And it lowered my hours for like a good two weeks because I was just so scared of the idea of running into them. And I And I realized that maybe, you know, this legend is one that, you might throw out the window as being silly or whatnot, but I think the whole idea is very terrifying, and I think there's been enough detailed cases to where it is a compelling uh, phenomenon to me. In northern Utah, there is a plot of land where mysterious happenings took place. Its name? Skinwalker Ranch. The Skinwalker legend is an interesting one. Although the origins are hard to pin down, as from my understanding, the Navajo people don't like to speak about this legend. But it basically goes like this. A skinwalker is a medicine man who has achieved high priesthood in the tribe, but chooses to use his power for evil and inflict pain and suffering. To become a skinwalker, you must commit the most evil of deeds and take the life of a close family member. From there, they achieve the highest supernatural powers, one of which is the ability to transform into any animal they choose. According to the Navajo skinwalker legend, these evil witches are typically seen in the form of a coyote, owl, fox, or crow, although they have the ability to turn into any animal they choose. The reason this is a frightening tale to me is because of how truly terrified the Navajo people are by this legend. I mean, they fear even speaking the name of the creature, as it is believed the more you say the name, the closer it draws them toward you. I was warned when I still lived in Utah uh, by someone who had knowledge of the native legends and stories uh, to never speak the word in areas that they had been reported as it could draw them back. 
there are many tales that have come from reservations of encounters with skinwalkers. For example, there's a there's a YouTube video uh, that was posted by a man who um, he hears strange noises uh, that, in my opinion, could be from a skinwalker. So basically, he goes outside, and uh, there's this like weird howling, yelping noise that's going on, and uh, and then you hear gunshots at the end, but like you you don't really understand what it is. But I, it sounds so unnatural; it doesn't sound like an, a regular animal to me. That, in my opinion, I think it could be a skinwalker, especially the fact that he's on a reservation, and that's where these creatures are reported to, you know. Uh, to sort of be around. Um, so I would definitely recommend looking that up. Um, but uh, this story actually reminds me of the story of the Yorona, which is which is funny because uh, there's a there's a film coming out on it, and we'll see how accurate it is to the, uh, the, the story that I was told growing up. But um, it is one of the most recognizable legends in Mexican culture. The story differs depending on who you ask, but the general idea is this. A beautiful woman falls for a man, and bears two sons for him, but the man is not good to her, and either cheats on her or only stays with her because of the children, causing her to be blinded by rage, and in her rage, she drowns her children. And it is thereafter that she is cursed to wander the earth, crying out in search of her children, crying out the same phrase over and over again, Ay, mis niños, which means, oh, my children. And I remember I was told that story as a kid. It terrified me a lot. It, uh, it's whenever anyone would start saying that, I'd start crying. And I think it's it's common with a lot of Mexican children is that they're told this story, um, sort of as a warning uh, against strangers. But there's something though that these two legends have in common, and it's corruption, corruption of the human soul, desire and temptation that lead to a darker path that no one can come back from. That is why they are so terrifying, because they represent what could be the worst within us all. Now, I have another legend that I'd like to share. Now, this is a more uh, recent legend, and it's an urban legend, and it goes a little like this. About five years ago, I lived downtown in a major city in the U.S. I've always been a night person, so I would often find myself bored after my roommate, who was decidedly not a night person, uh, went to sleep. To pass the time, I used to go for long walks and spend the time thinking. I spent four years like that, walking alone in the night, and never once had a reason to feel afraid. I always used to joke with my roommate that even the drug dealers in the city were polite, but all of that changed in just a few minutes of one evening. It was a Wednesday, somewhere between 1 and 2 in the morning, and I was walking near a police-patrolled park quite a ways from my apartment. It was a quiet night, even for a weeknight, with very little traffic and almost no one on foot. The park, as it was most nights, was completely empty. I turned down a short side street in order to loop back to my apartment when I first noticed him. At the far end of the street, on my side, was the silhouette of a man, dancing. It was a strange dance, similar to a waltz, but he finished each box with uh, an odd forward stride. I guess you could say he was dance-walking, headed straight for me. Deciding he was probably drunk, I stepped as close as I could to the road to give him the majority of the sidewalk to pass me by. The closer he got, the more I realized how gracefully he was moving. He was very tall and lanky and wearing an old suit. He danced closer still until I could make out his face. His eyes were open, wide and wild, head tilted back slightly, looking off at the sky. His mouth was formed in a painfully wide cartoon 
of a smile. Between the eyes and the smile, I decided to cross the street before he danced any closer. I took my eyes off of him to cross the empty street, and as I reached the other side, I glanced back and then stopped dead in my tracks. He had stopped dancing and was standing with one foot in the street, perfectly parallel to me. He was facing me, but still looking skyward, smile still wide on his lips. I was completely and utterly unnerved by this. I started walking again, but kept my eyes on the man. He didn't move. Once I had put about half a block between us, I turned away from him and for a moment to watch the sidewalk in front of me. The street and sidewalk ahead of me were completely empty. Still unnerved, I looked back to where he had been standing to find him gone. For the briefest of moments, I felt relieved. Until I noticed him. He had crossed the street and was now slightly crouched down. I couldn't tell for sure due to the distance and the shadows, but I was certain he was facing me. I had looked away from him for no more than ten seconds, so it was clear that he had moved fast. I was so shocked that I stood there for some time, staring at him, and then he started moving toward me again. He took giant, exaggerated, tiptoed steps as if he were a cartoon character sneaking up on somebody, except he was moving very, very quickly. I'd like to say at this point I ran away or pulled out my pepper spray or my cell phone or anything at all, but I didn't. I just stood there, completely frozen as the smiling man crept toward me, and then he stopped again, about a car length away from me, still smiling his smile, still looking to the sky. And when I finally found my voice, I blurted out the first thing that came to mind. What I meant to ask was, what do you want? In an angry, commanding tone. What came out was a whimper. What? Regardless of whether or not humans can smell fear, they can certainly hear it. I heard it in my own voice, and that only made me more afraid. But he didn't react to all. He just stood there, smiling. And then after what felt like forever, he turned around, very slowly, and started dance walking away. Just like that. Not wanting to turn my back to him again, I just watched him go, until he was far enough away to almost be out of sight. And then I realized something. He wasn't moving away anymore. Nor was he dancing. I watched in horror as the distant shape of him grew larger and larger, and he was coming back my way, and this time he was running. And I ran too. I ran up until it was, I was off the side of the road and back onto a better lit road with sparse traffic. Looking behind me, he was nowhere to be found. The rest of the way home, I kept glancing over my shoulder, always expecting to see his stupid smile, but he was never there. I lived in that city for six months after that night, and I never went out for another walk. There was something about his face that always haunted me. He didn't look drunk. He didn't look high. He looked completely and utterly insane. And that's a very, very scary thing to see. Oh boy, that story always, always gives me the chills and I genuinely got the chills as I read it. And that's because just the idea of someone being so completely out of their mind to do something so disturbing and creepy as, as you know, as being uh, smiling and chasing someone in the street, it's, it's terrifying. And I think that's always what scares me the most about, um, you know, heavy drug users or uh, is is that they're so out of it and so not in control of their actions that they do the wildest, wildest things that often leave us haunted and, and, and disturbed by their actions. Now, this isn't an urban legend, but it's an idea that uh, was presented by the uh, television show um, Doctor Who. And it's it's an idea that that uh, after I watched the um, the the 
the episode it it uh, it terrified me um and that's the idea of uh, a creature that has perfected um hiding and uh, let let me let me read exactly the how it's introduced in the episode question why do we talk to ourselves when we know we're alone conjecture because we know we're not evolution perfects survival skills there are perfect hunters there is perfect defense question why is there no such thing as perfect hiding answer how would you know logically if evolution were to perfect a creature whose primary skill were to hide from view how could you know it existed it could be with us every second and we would never know how would you detect it even sense it except in those moments when for no clear reason you choose to speak aloud what would such a creature want what would it do well what would you do and i remember after i uh, i watched that episode it, it kind of stuck with me because the idea of there being something that is perfected hiding being something that is uh, as as he says in the in the episode he goes you know what's that in the mirror in the corner of your eye what's that footstep following but never passing by perhaps they're all just waiting and perhaps when we're all dead out they'll come a slithering from underneath the bed that idea that there is something always behind us something always looking over our shoulder but when we turn it's gone because it has perfected the art of hiding is a terrifying thing because it's the idea of we're never truly alone and i think that's kind of why you know the whole idea of aliens or 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 i guess more ghosts is is what's what terrifies us besides the fact that it's you know something has risen from the dead something's haunting something has unfinished business but it's the idea that we're not alone is the idea that there is something there with us in our most private of moments and that's why i really love this episode it was so well done for our final legend let's bring it home to the great state of iowa many of you natives may be familiar with this story the story of the black angel of council bluff the story is as follows located in fairview cemetery sits an angel statue a memorial for ruth ann dodge a woman who before her death reported having visions of an angel that brought her an urn filled with water that she promised would grant her immortality on the third time she had the vision she drank from the urn and soon after this dream ruth would pass away on her deathbed she told her daughters that she had been given immortality from the angel the legend says that this mysterious angel roams the cemetery at night moving from its fixed spot looming over the city only when no one is watching the idea of statues moving when no one is watching is not a new one to me or to anyone who is familiar with the sci-fi series doctor who as the weeping angel a creature from the show does just that moves when no one is watching and strikes when you blink perhaps that is what makes these legends about unmoving objects so spooky the fact that it is danger that literally looms behind your back and the idea of inanimate objects moving when you aren't watching is fundamentally wrong and therefore scares us because it goes against our understanding of what is and what should be we fear what we don't understand we fear the unknown which is why stories like those of the skinwalker or the black-eyed kids terrify us so much because we don't understand why or how they can exist legends also terrify us because more often than not they are an examination into the human condition myths and legends provide us with the one truth that we are too scared to admit the scariest of monsters isn't a demon or a werewolf it's us humanity and with that ladies and gentlemen we have reached the end of our show tune in next week at the same time and on the same frequency 
for another spooktacular episode. And remember, if you hear something go bump in the night, maybe it's best if you don't check it out. I've been your Captain Jose Valle, and this has been Captain's Log, and we've reached the end of our transmission. (laughs) 